Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The state versus Richard Alexander Murdoch. Verdict guilty. I sentence you for term for the rest of your natural life. I've spoken with every official in Ohio. COVID, the economy, inflation, the national debt, the border, crime. The Biden administration sucks. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Thank you, Senator John Kennedy. I I mean, he summed it all up. We can uh, all pack it up and go home now. (laughs) The Biden administration sucks. That's uh, pretty much nails it on the head. Alec Murdaugh was sentenced to life in prison earlier today, capping off the sordid and spectacular downfall of the son of a once powerful Murdaugh family legal dynasty as he continued to deny he killed his wife and son. Have you seen on Netflix the, uh, it's a three-part documentary type of thing um, called The Murdaugh Murders? And I, I tell you what, I, this, the family has been down in, you know, near Charleston for generations. Maybe they started out pretty good, but, uh, boy, if half of what that Murdoch murders three-part series, if half of that is true, this whole family is, uh, wow. I'm not saying the wife and the son deserve to uh, be shot, but uh, it, wow is about all you can say about this family. All pretense of innocence was stripped from Murdoch, who stood before the judge, a convicted murderer, donning for the first time the beige prison suit, jumpsuit. He was in wrist and leg shackles. South Carolina Circuit Court Judge Clifton Newman excoriated the 54-year-old defendant before handing down the maximum two double-life sentences to run consecutively for the murders of Paul and Maggie Murdoch. How do you you murder your wife and your son? Uh, That is, quite frankly, uh, the defense kept saying that, but uh, this guy Murdoch apparently was just, one individual said, this guy has no soul. I mean, he just, he had this blank look, like this emptiness under his eyes. Uh, the judge said, you've engaged in such do, um, such conduct here in the courtroom, here on the witness stand, as established by the testimony. This has been perhaps one of the most troubling cases, not just for me as a judge, but for the state, for the defense team, and for all of the citizens in this community. He described Murdoch's once prominent position as a lawyer, a person from a respected family who has controlled justice in this community for over a uh, century, Murdaugh responded by defiantly insisting he did not execute his wife and son. I respect this court, but I'm innocent. I would never under any circumstance hurt my wife Maggie, and I would never under any circumstance hurt my son Paul Paul, he proclaimed. Newman called the evidence against Murdaugh overwhelming and said the murders may have been uh, perpetrated by the monster you become when you take 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 opioid pills. Uh, All I know is this guy went through $9 million of other people's money, let alone his own money. I mean, the guy was making a great salary as this uh, lawyer down in the Charleston area, and apparently he just went through it on drugs. Uh, and one of the that, that's one of the speculations. If he uh, well, he's been found guilty of uh, killing his son. His son that died was confronting him on this uh, opioid use, 
Murdoch used a shotgun to kill his 22-year-old son, Paul, inside a feed room attached to a dog kennel in the family's hunting estate. Uh, he also killed his wife, Maggie, with a rifle. Uh, this happened back on June 7, 2021. Before sentencing, lead prosecutor Creighton Waters argued that Murdoch deserved the maximum. The prosecutor said Murdoch often stared him down during the trial, and they had locked eyes. I could see the real Alex Murdoch when he looked at me, Waters said. The depravity, the callousness, the selfishness of these crimes are stunning. The lack of remorse and the effortless way in which he lies. He told the judge that Murdoch should never be allowed to be among free law-abiding citizens again. In his closing argument, Waters told, Murdoch, told jurors Murdoch was a cunning man. He was a con man who tried to deceive them when he took the stand last week. This man who made his trade on lying, he lied about the most important facts in this case and effortlessly and easily pivoted to a new lie when confronted by something he wasn't prepared for. One of the jurors, a man by the name of Craig Moyer, went on ABC News this morning and uh, he said he did not believe anything that Murdoch said when he's on the stance, uh, on the stand. He said that uh, he saw no for remorse. He said he saw no tears. When he was up there crying, he said he was close to the man. He was just a few feet away from the man in the jury uh, uh, where the jurors were, sat, were sitting in the courtroom. said he saw no tears, no remorse. He said, <laughs> you always got to find something funny, even something like this. He said, I saw a lot of blown snot and a huge booger had fallen out of Murdoch's nose. But that's, but no tears. Anyway, this guy's going to be gone for a long, long time. Uh, I, you know, I, feel so, I feel bad for the people down in Walterboro. That basically, uh, this guy is now the face of that community outside of Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, it is Friday, and uh, my apologies. Yesterday I was out. Uh, we had sort of a... Semi. Uh, what happened? Yeah, <laughs> had nothing to do with Joe. We had some uh, issues at uh, my day job where I had to attend to, so I had to bail out at the last minute. But that means we get to play political trivia today. We'll do that in a little bit. Uh, your category today: the birth of the Republican Party. So get ready. Got a good prize package and a fun question. So we'll play that in a little bit. Uh, Carolina Journal is reporting Governor Roy Cooper and North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein, both Democrats, argue against Republican legislative leaders in a new court filing at the North Carolina Supreme Court. Cooper and Stein both filed a motion to submit a front-of-the-court brief in this month's rehearing of Harper v. Hall, the redistricting case. That's the, the case dealing with the maps. Friday marked the deadline for briefs opposing state lawmakers in two cases scheduled for rehearing. The high court will consider Harper v. Hall on March 14th. It will hold new arguments for Holmes v. Moore, which is the voter photo ID, ID bill. Uh, that will be the following day on March 15th. So uh, that will be uh, a couple of fun days to watch what the Supreme Court is doing, uh, our state Supreme Court. They said, our, quote, our state constitution is meant to establish a democracy under which people of our state are empowered to choose their representatives, not the other way around, according to the motion from Cooper and Stein, signed by the North Carolina Solicitor, Solicitor General Ryan Park. 
quote, partisan gerrymandering subverts our democracy by allowing legislators to manipulate district lines to entrench themselves in power. I'm sorry. That coming from two Democrats? That is rich. That is unbelievable. I mean, could if, if they had to get up and say that, they had to get this guy, Ryan Park, to present this because otherwise they would have broken up laughing as it was presented. This is beyond the pale. The two Democrats would say partisan gerrymandering subverts our democracy by allowing legislators to manipulate district lines to entrench themselves in power. The Democrats, when they were in control, <laughs> listen, the last map that the, the, the Republicans submitted as their map was probably the fairest map that has been ever submitted uh, for state districts and congressional districts in, in the last 100 years. Uh, if you look at some of the maps that the Democrats submitted when they were in power, and for these two guys who are Democrats to say this, whew, that is beyond the pale. I, you know, the other thing, too, is uh, Josh Stein. Now, I, I understand how he thinks he can get away with uh, fighting the, uh, the Republicans in, in this House, but they are the majority. Uh, you know, the, the Constitution says, amongst other things, in terms of the duties of the Attorney General, to defend all actions in the appellate division in which the state shall be interested, or a party, and to appear for the state in any court or tribunal, in any cause or matter, civil or criminal, in which the state may be a party or interested. Now, uh, I think he thinks that under Section 8 of the Constitution, when it describes the duties of the Attorney General, it says to, uh, that the Attorney General can intervene when he deems it advisable in the public interest in proceedings before any courts, regulatory officers, agencies and bodies, both state and federal, in a representative capacity for and on behalf of the using of the consuming public of the state. So he's saying, well, I, you know, it's not in the, in the people's best interest. I need to do this. The people voted for it in a constitutional amendment as far as the voter ID goes and as far as the state legislature being in charge of the maps, the Constitution says so. I, 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 it, it boggles one's mind how Josh Stein can come out and uh, submit this. Uh, he goes on to say, uh, the, the brief goes on to say, given the profound importance of these issues for the governance of our state, the governor and attorney general previously filed amicus briefs and earlier appeals in these cases, asking this court to hold that partisan gerrymandering violates our state constitution. This court, after hearing those arguments, correctly held that partisan gerrymandering of legislative and congressional districts violates multiple provisions of our state constitution. So how many decades were, if this is true, how many decades then were the Democrats violating the state constitution? And quite frankly, to quote your uh, beloved leader, Barack Hussein Obama, elections have consequences. Uh, they go on to say, you know what, uh, the, the state uh, Supreme Court now, just because the Republicans are now in control of the state Supreme Court, uh, you need to uphold what the previous Supreme Court uh, uh, ruled. I, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, again, isn't it curious that uh, you had two uh, Supreme Court seats up, and the Republicans won them both. 
I mean, it's, it's, and so now they're, they're in the clear majority. That was the people's choice. Uh, this is an important story out of the Daily Caller, which, uh, you know, I haven't seen it reported in a lot of different places, but uh, don't let it fly under the radar. The Daily Caller is reporting this afternoon that the FBI's Washington field office affirmed there may have been undercover officers and confidential human uh, sources inside the Capitol on January 6, 2021, according to whistleblower testimony obtained by the Daily Caller. Isn't it curious? When a whistleblower comes forward and that whistleblower happens to be uh, pushing the narrative that the woke liberal crowd is cheering for, the whistleblower is a hero. The whistleblower needs to be revered. He needs to be deified. But when a whistleblower from the FBI comes out and talks about what's going on within the walls of the FBI... He's ridiculed by the liberals, he's laughed at by the liberals, and he's ignored by the mainstream press. The FBI's Washington field office requested the Boston field office open investigations into 140 individuals who took buses from Massachusetts to D.C. on January the 6th, but denied the office's request to see video proving those individuals were inside the Capitol. FBI whistleblower George Hill said... During a February 10th interview with House Subcommittee uh, on the Weaponization of the Federal Government, the office claimed they needed to protect the identity of possible undercover agents. You can't have it both ways. So the FBI says to the Boston field office, we've got these 140 people that came down from Boston. We want you to investigate them. The Boston field office has said, okay, you've got 11,000 hours, and, and now we find out it's more like 40,000 hours of video. Could we please have access to that video? Now, just earlier this week, when Christopher Ray was being interviewed by um, Fox News, Brett Baer on Fox News, he, Brett Baer asked him about uh, possible FBI agents infiltrating it on the January 6th deal. And uh, um, Christopher Ray said, well, you know, uh, we can't comment on ongoing investigations. And yet, and yet, the FBI, and this is, uh, this is uh, well, it, it came from this whistleblower, but it was public in the sense that the FBI was certainly communicating from one office to the other. They, they weren't hiding it. That they told the Boston office, no, you cannot see that video because we might, reveal special agents that were inside the Capitol acting in a stealth manner as part of the crowd. Boston Supervisor Special Agent declined to open cases on everyone who went to D.C. because they were going to a political rally, which is a First Amendment protected activity, according to George Hill. Well, thank you, George. And thank you to the Boston, of all places, coming from liberal Boston, they say, well, you know what? Uh, you know, how about uh, until you actually have something to charge these people with, why are you investigating them? And oh my gosh, this week, Merrick Garland and, and Christopher Ray both 
time after time. Oh, no, we treat everybody the same. Oh, yeah, no, we don't, you know, we don't do anything, you know. No, we're not woke. We're not, we're not going after conservatives. People think of the unlawful events that took place later that day on January the 6th, but up until that time, it was a rally, Hill said. People were, you know, either driving to it or flying to it. When another supervisory special agent asked to see where they were inside the Capitol, the Washington field office declined to show the footage unless they knew the exact time and place those individuals were inside the Capitol. How are they going to know those? <laughs> this, this whole thing is, is how, many, how many man hours have we wasted on this thing trying to go after innocent people? Could you spend just a tenth of the amount of time going after the rioters after the, in, the, in the summer of 2020 after George, George Floyd died at the hands of the police officers? Could you just spend a tenth of that time going after people who were burning down cities, looting, shooting, and killing people? No. No, we can't do that. We can't. Could you spend a tenth of that time going after the people who just in the last 12 months, just frankly, just since the Dobbs decision are burning down and firebombing pro-life pregnancy centers, Roman Catholic Church, Protestant churches that are pro-life, could you spend a tenth of that time going after them? No. No arrests so far in any of that. Mark Hulk, oh, uh, Hulk, the, the, father, the, uh, the father of seven, oh, we'll go after him with a SWAT team of 20 people with rifles pulled. We're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about. We'll play political trivia in a little bit. Stay with us. More news and views coming up. Ride the shotgun with your 5 o'clock drive. And the drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. It is March the 3rd. It's National Employee Appreciation Day. Clark, I want to let you, let you know I, I appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. Clark says, where's the money? <laughs> Looking uh, at your weather forecast, uh, still a chance of a stray shower between now and probably 8 o'clock tonight, but it uh, looks like it's going to clear off, although it's going to get windy, a low of 59 tonight. Tomorrow looks pretty good. Sunny skies, a high of 66. Uh, tomorrow night, low of 40 with uh, clear skies. And uh, Sunday, another nice day. Sunny skies with a high of 66 once again. So uh, looking ahead, uh, it looks like tomorrow through at least midweek, uh, pleasant temperatures. It actually starts to cool down a little bit next Thursday. But between now and then, uh, highs will be in the uh, upper 60s to near 70. Tuesday, we're supposed to get up into the mid-70s. So, uh, pretty good-looking weather forecast. Get out and enjoy. We will play political trivia in a little bit. Uh, your category today, the birth of the Republican Party. The Friday edition of Thursday's political trivia. The New York Post is reporting a Michigan mom whose two sons died of fentanyl overdoses has slammed President Biden as despicable after he laughed off the false claim that his administration was to blame for their deaths. Rebecca Kinsling, whose sons Caleb and Kyler both died in July of 2020 after taking fentanyl-laced pills, took aim at Biden on Wednesday after he used her family story to get to uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, basically making fun of Greene. 
suggesting that he was responsible for the fatalities. This is how you speak about the death of my sons? Because a congresswoman misspoke? You mock, you mock the life and the loss of my sons? Kissling had testified before the House Homeland Security Committee on Tuesday about the loss of her sons, telling Congress that more needed to be done to stop fentanyl imports. <laughs> they're not imports, they're smuggling. Uh, Green quickly seized on her testimony, suggesting that the brothers might still be alive if the Biden administration had secured the border and stopped the flow of drugs in the United States. Biden poked fun at Green on Wednesday night, chuckling as he told a gathering of House Democrats in Baltimore that the boys died under the Trump administration. Cut two. A mom, a poor mother who lost two kids to fentanyl, that, that I killed her sons. Well, the interesting thing is that fentanyl they took came during the last administration. <laughs> yeah, anyway, I don't think I started. Funny. That's real funny. Uh, how dare you, the mother said. What is the matter with you? Almost every Democrat on the committee offered condolences. They at least had the decency to do that, she said. You can't even do that. You have to mock my pain? That represents tens of thousands of U.S. citizens who have died under your watch, an increase in tens of thousands. That represents a double of the number of parents who are suffering as she talked about the 22% increase in fentanyl deaths since Biden became president. You're going to keep laughing? What about those who died under your watch? Mike Lee said, uh, he tweeted, uh, POTUS needs to apologize. No person, let alone the President of the United States, laughs when speaking about a mother who lost two boys to fentanyl poisoning. I don't know what the guy thinks about. Uh, he doesn't think. Truly, I mean, I've said this a number of times, you know, he's had a um, brain surgery where they re have removed the part of the brain that is the filter. He has no filter. He, he laughs and he has a goofy looking smile on his face at the most inopportunity and in, in, uh, inappropriate times. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York blamed a member of her staff for not paying the several thousands of dollars worth of goods and services for AOC's attendance at a 2021 Met Gala. Gala, I guess is what you'd say. Uh, but that's, this, is, this is unbelievable. So AOC tosses a poor, worthless surf under the bus to save her butt. Yeah, I'll blame a staff member. The House Office of Congressional Ethics opened an investigation into whether Ocasio-Cortez violated House rules by improperly accepting gifts at the Met Gala, but the conservative woman claimed, I'm the conservative woman, <laughs> she's no conservative, the congresswoman claimed she was aware uh, was unaware and proceeded to let a staff member take the blame. AOC said that she was unaware of unpaid expenses related to the dress she wore and the stylist that helped her get ready for the gala in 2021. I just never, ever, ever would have allowed that to happen, knowing what I have learned, she said. But I wasn't privy to the invoices, wasn't privy to the ones that had been sent. So uh, isn't this curious that um, ignorance of the law apparently is an excuse that's legitimate if you're part of the world community? Quote, and it's just deeply regrettable, Ocasio said. 
I feel terrible, especially for the small businesses that were impacted. The little people. I feel so bad for the little people. The Ocasio-Cortez staffer, who reportedly is no longer working for the congresswoman, no doubt got fired, took responsibility for the unpaid dues. Way to fall on the sword for the royal highness. We've got we to take the sword if uh, we're going to protect AOC. Representative Ocasio-Cortez may have accepted impermissible gifts associated with her attendance at the gala in 2021. If AOC accepted the gifts, then she may have violated house rules, standards of conduct, and federal laws, complaint read. You know, the irony of this story is, do you remember what AOC was wearing that night? She was wearing a uh, rather tight evening gown with the words in big red letters written across her butt, Tax the Rich, written right across her derriere, which the implication was she was insinuating that certain crooks don't pay what they owe. They don't pay their fair share. <laughs> Welcome to your own club there, Sandy. Ah, can't make it up. A Maryland mayor from College Park, Maryland, the home of the University of Maryland Terrapins, was charged on Thursday with 56 counts of child pornography. Mayor Patrick Wojohn, who, I guess, Wohan, I guess is how you pronounce it, has visited the White House several times since Biden took office and previously described Transportation Secretary Pothole Pete Buttigieg as his mentor. <laughs> uh, both Pothole Pete is married to a guy, as is the College Park Mayor, Wuhan, Mayor Patrick Wuhan. So uh, the four men and their men get together for a good time. Uh, this guy has been at the White House six times. Show, and now, College Park's only a town of about 40,000 people, but it's right outside of D.C. And uh, anyway, this guy, <laughs> these are his words, not mine. 56 counts of uh, child pornography, 16 counts of distributing child pornography, 40 counts of possession of child pornography, and he says, Pothole Pete is my mentor. <laughs> hey, let's lighten things up and play a little political trivia, shall we? 561-8255. It's Friday. Generally speaking, uh, Friday's quieter day than uh, the rest of the week, so uh, this is your opportunity to get in. The birth of the Republican Party is your category. Got a great prize package worth uh, a couple hundred bucks. Give us a call, 561-8255, Political Trivia, when we get back. All right, the lines are open, 561-8255. Got a prize package worth a couple hundred bucks, and we are going to play uh, Thursday's Political Trivia on Friday. 561-8255. Your category, the birth of the Republican Party. Uh, I test drove this on uh, 
the guy that won uh, $20,000 or something like that on uh, Jeopardy, and he, he got it right off the bat, but uh, it's not that hard. Easy question. 561-8255. Prize package includes a free oil change for your car or pickup at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or in Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. We also have for you a gift certificate from Fit for Life, including two free training sessions with a coach. Also, a $20 gift card to Mucho Bueno in Havelock or El Mexicano in Newport. For lunch or dinner, both restaurants serve great food, served up to you by the Morales family. Also, a $20 gift card to Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aden. Delicious, made from scratch goodies. You're going to love it. Uh, Ironwood gift certificate for a round of golf. A $100 certificate for tax services at any of the area Kidwell H&R Block offices. Remember, if you or anyone else in your immediate family have won recently, let 60 days pass before you play again. First up is Johnny. Hey, Johnny, welcome in. Thank you. Are you ready to play? I am. All right, here you go. I hope go. I am. Uh, I hope you are, too. Uh, question. It's a long one, so uh, be patient with it, Harry. Here we go. This week, 169 years ago, the founding of the Republican Party took place in Ripon, Wisconsin. However, starting a new political party was not the primary reason for this gathering at a little white schoolhouse on February the 28th, 1854. What was the reason 50-some concerned citizens, both men and women, came together in this small schoolhouse in 1854, which led to the establishment of what is now the Republican Party? I, I knew the Rip on. I knew John C. Fremont was the first nominee. I have no clue. Sorry. Take a while, I guess. It, they didn't come uh, together to form slavery. a... Say that again? Slavery. You got it. You got it. <laughs> Take a guess. You got it. According to Amos Looper, the son of one of the original attendees of the meeting at the schoolhouse, the predominant idea existing at the time in the minds of the prime movers of the gathering was to prevent the further extension of slavery. Congratulations, Johnny. Welcome uh, to the winner's circle. Where are you calling from? Thank you. I'm in Arapaho. Arapaho. All right, Johnny in Arapaho. Hang in there because uh, Clark's going to get all your info. Didn't know it. Took a guess and got it. Congratulations. Stay with us. I'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5 at ENC with Tom Lamprey. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Congratulations to Johnny Flo of Arapaho, North Carolina. He got a right. Uh... 169 years ago this week, there was a gathering of some 50 people in Ripon, Wisconsin. They got together to uh, figure out how can we prevent the further extension of slavery. This would be just a few, year, uh, few years prior, prior to the uh, War of Northern Aggression. And um, they, they got together. And, isn't it interesting, I mean, how the narrative has changed? I mean, you go out and talk to somebody on the street and... Uh, ask about, okay, which of the political parties put a stop to slavery? And uh, I, I bet nine out of ten would say, well, the Democrat Party, of course. The Republican Party, they're all for slavery, right? That's what the, that's what the Democrats want you to think. Yeah. Not so. Ripon, Wisconsin. Congratulations to the state of Tennessee and Governor Bill Lee 
and the conservative legislature there, Tennessee has become the first state to enact a law prohibiting sexually explicit drag shows where they may be viewed by children reacting to concerns about the upswing of drag queens entertaining kids in schools and public libraries. Repre uh, Republican Bill Lee signed Senate Bill 3 into law yesterday without fanfare after signaling his support earlier, saying it was important to ensure that children were not potentially exposed to sexualized entertainment to obscenity. The bill bans adult cabaret entertainment, including topless dancers, go-go dancers, exotic dancers, strippers, male or female impersonators, engaging in performances seen or harmful to minors on public property where a non-adult could watch them. The bill gives confidence to parents that they can take their kids to public or private shows that will not be blindsided by sexualized performance, tweeted the bill's sponsors, Tennessee Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson. Uh, congratulations to Tennessee. I hope this happens in, in many other places now. If it happened here in North Carolina, which uh, it, I wouldn't be surprised if such a bill was proposed, but I would, we, we, we don't have a governor like uh, the governor of Tennessee, Bill Lee. We have a governor that would veto such a bill. Listen, the, the, these drag shows have no business frankly, have no business taking place for anybody, but they have certainly no business taking place in front of kids, in front of minors. And the idea that these, that these quote, drag queens are somehow being mistreated and their civil rights are being trampled because they can't groom these kids for their sexual perversion, it is unbelievable. You know, I know people have said for a long, long time, we've got to go back and apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> we really do now. Did you hear the story about a Venezuela single mom died on Sunday following a liposuction procedure in a clinic in a shopping mall? 31-year-old Ana Rosa Rivero of Venezuela underwent a laser liposuction procedure on February the 25th at a clinic and a shopping mall. The method of liposuction is, uh, uses some sort of laser. It's considered to be less invasive than surgery, the traditional form of liposuction, which just sort of sucks out the fat. But... I, you know, it's, it's bad enough you go into the mall and you sit down for a teeth whitening session. I mean, if you've ever done that, I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying that's dangerous. But you go into a mall? Hey, honey, honey while you're going over to Dick's Sporting Goods, uh, I'm going to run in here and get a quick liposuction. <laughs> I, listen, I don't want to laugh at this poor woman who lost her life, but my gosh. You gotta do something like that in a shopping mall. Uh, not the brightest idea. I, I you know. Uh, by the way, the doctor is being investigated now. But just the idea. Maybe I'm misreading it. Maybe it was a legitimate medical clinic, and it just happened to be located there. But that's not how the story read to me. 
The Free Beacon is reporting Georgia's Secretary of State has opened an investigation into financial irregularities surrounding the new Georgia project. Hmm, who was in charge of that project? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Stacey Abrams. Yeah, that's the ticket. Uh, individuals familiar with the matter told the Washington Free Beacon, eh, yeah, this is, uh, this is more shenanigans. This sounds so much like what the Black Lives Matters uh, gal did. Kohler's were her, was her name. Uh, yeah, suddenly there's all kinds of money that is unaccountable. The investigation comes after several Free Beacon reports on the alleged financial mismanagement by the former New Georgia Project executives. Accounting and legal experts have raised questions about the legality of the New Georgia Project's latest tax filing. As investigation gets underway, authorities will issue subpoenas to parties affiliated with the project. Founded by Abrams in 2013, the project quickly rose to be one of the nation's leading vote registration groups. Together, the New Georgia Project and its affiliated New Georgia Project Action Fund raised a combined, are you ready for this? Since 2020, in three years, they have raised 55 million bucks. The Free Beacon found myriad of discrepancies in the project's financial disclosures. Among those discrepancies include a mysterious half-million-dollar consulting payment to a charity run in part by the brother of the former project. Hmm. <laughs> Half-million bucks. Eh, what's the big deal? The new Georgia project also reported they went through $54 million. Somebody was running this. Somebody was getting paid to run this. How much did they pay in payroll taxes in 2020? Now, granted, they considered themselves a nonprofit, which, again, remember Jim Baker of the PTL Club went to prison for misappropriation of funds that were collected. Now, he was collecting non, as a nonprofit, collecting money for, quote, missionaries. But wait a minute. This new Georgia project. They were collecting money under the guise that we're, this is going to go for, you know, voter registration, voter education, blah, blah, blah. Misappropriation of funds. Yeah, this is the same reason that uh, Jim Baker went to prison. How much did they pay in payroll taxes? $54 million is what they went through. Now, most nonprofits go through somewhere between 10 and 20% of what they collect in administration fees. Now, uh, if that's the case, let's go on the low end. $5.4 million in three years. Less than three years. It's about two years. How much did they pay in payroll taxes? Zero. Nada. Nothing. <laughs> it's impossible. I'm sorry. It's impossible. I'm sure this is done by a bunch of racists, a bunch of white supremacists, that are just so mean to Stacey Abrams and the new Georgia project. Wow. Fox News is reporting the Biden administration acknowledged in a memo accidentally leaked today. Oh, it's an accident. That charging fossil fuel companies less to drill would provide greater energy security despite its plans to hike royalty fees. A former Bureau of Ocean Energy Management director, Amanda Lefton, recommended late last year that as a part of its climate agenda, Department of the Interior move forward with higher royalty fees for oil and gas 
on their leases in the Cook Inlet off of Alaska, if a Cook Inlet prospect would be developed, there would be additional government revenues and greater energy security for the state of Alaska, especially if developed with natural gas resources in the Cook Inlet. It would fix the long-term supply challenges facing the Anchorage area, left and wrote in the memo. Nevertheless, because of the serious challenges facing the nation from climate change, which are those? Again, if you look at any polling asking the American people at what, where, where would you peg climate change and all the issues we have before us in terms of crime and taxes and the economy and immigration and education, etc. Climate change usually comes in pretty close to the bottom of the list. But according to her, that was the most important thing. Uh, again, energy, energy needs comes in much, much, much higher than climate change. This is what, interestingly, so they're coming out and saying that um, if we were to have, uh, this is what the memo says, I'm just cutting to the chase. The memo said, if we had the lower royalty fees that we've been charging gas companies all along, they would jump on that, and, that, and then we would get more energy out of the ground. We would become more energy independent. But this individual says, no, 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 no. We cannot allow that to get into the way of climate change. The, Joe Biden, just a couple of months ago, about the same time this, this uh, woman said this, about the same time, he came out and chastised the oil companies, saying that they're making too much money that, okay, hard work, you deserve to make a little bit, but you're making too much money. That is not fair. But now the federal government is saying we want to make more money, even to the point when Joe chastised these companies, they were making too much money and they weren't working hard enough to drill. Now the federal government, we find out, they're saying we want to make more money and we want to have an incentive to not drill. Not drill because of climate change. Uh, liberals, nobody cares about climate change. And we got to run. Have a great weekend. We'll do it again on Monday. See you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.